With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hello and I suppose welcome to your post-match Raw on AI Pro. Podcasting to you from my field here in beautiful rural Ireland. I'm Trev Downey and joining me to give their reactions to Real Madrid 1 Liverpool 0 for an aggregate of 6-2 in the last 16 of the Champions League from the Bernabeu Stadium are Dave Hendrick and Carl Matchett and feels Dave as if it's waste of our breath as much of this season has been. Um, it was a very frustrating outing that I, I'm not on board with the uh, plucky showing narrative. I'm equally not really up for bashing the lads. It's just all a bit sad. Well, you might not be up for it, but I'm well up for it, Trev. Um, no, no, there's no, there's no plucky, plucky bullshit here at all. That is Liverpool going out with a whimper. That is mentality midgets having replaced mentality monsters. And that is a manager that looks completely lost at the moment and completely out of his depth, if we're being honest. He, once again, should be referring to Carlo Ancelotti as his daddy in the post-match presser because that's a Real Madrid team that played at about 75% of capacity and still found it very easy to overwhelm us in midfield because we started with one real midfielder. Uh, It's a Real Madrid team that didn't really have to do a whole lot defensively. The goalkeeper made one good save, had a bunch of lads jump about a bit. We have made average defences look very, very good this season. We've done it again tonight. Uh, Those lads might have lots of medals. Carvial and Nacho, they've got all the Champions League medals. They're both well past their best. And Nacho's not even a left-back. He's a right-footed centre-back. Eder Militao's a a good defender, but he's rash and he's raw and he makes mistakes. And we didn't press him into any mistakes tonight. Antonio Rudiger, we watched him at Chelsea be absolutely shocking in a back four, and yet we've played him and made him look like he's fucking Franco Baresi. It's just, this team is so frustrating right now. We're awful in possession. When we create chances, chances it's largely because of an individual piece of brilliance. We have no structure in midfield, and defensively we have two centre-backs that I thought both played well tonight, left back who I think is out of form and has been for a while and a right back who looks like he couldn't give less of a shit and while you may not be in for bashing players tonight Trev I tell you that lad is going to get some fucking tirade tonight 
because that is an absolutely disgraceful performance by Trent Alexander-Arnold. His 50th Champions League performance. And based on that performance, he shouldn't play in the Champions League again. Because his lack of energy, his lack of effort, his lack of desire, his lack of decision-making were shocking. Absolutely shocking. And his awareness or lack thereof for that goal was pathetic. Just completely switched off, completely nonchalant, couldn't give a shit, far too cool for school. It's as if it's all below him. If it wasn't for Kanate tonight, Trent would have been the cause of us getting absolutely ripped apart like we were when they played us at Anfield. Because time and time again, Vinicius went past Trent and Trent barely bothered his hole to try and make anything work defensively. And Ibu had to come across over and over and over again. He needed Bobby at the end as well. needed yeah, Bobby at the exactly. end of the like, What like, Have you no fucking... Do, do you not care? You've no self pride or anything. Like, you're not embarrassed. You're getting torn apart over and over and over again. If that lad is going to beat you so easily, figure it out. It's not the mm. first time you're seeing him. You saw him a few weeks ago. You saw him in Paris in May. You know what he's all about. You know what he's looking to do. So if you need to, put one through him early on. And hobble him a little bit. Because the referee tonight wasn't going to book anybody. He left his cards at home. So you might as well have kicked him up in the air at least once. At least got some satisfaction out of the embarrassment that he's laid on you twice in a row. Like, we've criticised Trent and Virgil consistently this season for their attitude. And Virgil has turned up when there's been big games. And that almost makes it worse. Because it shows that he can do it when he wants to. Trent looks like he either can't do it anymore or just doesn't want to at all. That was an absolute shocker. And you think after Klopp hauling him off against Bournemouth for Milner, that he would have been a little bit embarrassed by that and he would have turned up tonight. But no. We went there tonight with eight lads. An old fella who... Try as he might, just isn't up for it. Diogo Jota, who appears to have lost all sense of his footballing ability. And that lad at right back, who just doesn't look like he gives a shit. Are you that person who has everything? The coolest merch and those must-have fan threads? Well, over at our Anfield Index shop, we've gone that extra mile when it comes to pimping up your Liverpool collection. From our popular range of bespoke design t-shirts, sweaters, hoodies and hats, to our signature edition mugs, prints and coasters, all provided with fast worldwide shipping. We have something for every red. We also stock official LFC merchandise and are licensed with the Premier League and UEFA to sell official iron-on shirt badges and sleeve patches. As a listener to this podcast, you can get 10% off everything with coupon code AIPRO10. Just head over to AnfieldIndex.shop or find us on Etsy by searching for Anfield Index. Yeah, if you were to sum up the season in a nutshell, in an image, it would probably be a picture uh, from behind our goal with the ball nestling in the net and Trent jogging nonchalantly back towards the goal in the background. And it's, you know, um, it's, it's, it's just... It, 
one of the one of the horrible recurring images that we've all had to have a look at. And uh, yeah, I, look, I, I say I'm not up for bashing them. I mean, just as a kind of a as 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 an overall philosophy here, we can't but do it with some of the appalling stuff we saw. And Carl. If there was to be one thing that you would pick out as the most egregious failing of the team on the night, uh, it would be also including uh, Trent in his other role, apart from defending, which is final ball. And it's not just him. Nobody could deliver a final ball. They were uniformly, as we'd say around here, wagon. Just appalling. Nothing by way of a quality bit of inventive passing from midfield. And I was listening to the under pressure guys and they were talking during the week on their last pod there about just the statistically just how little we are doing from our midfield in terms of goals and goal creation. And it would put the hair standing on the head of even a bald man. Uh, and it, it just it was it was just there for all to see tonight. Uh, the lack of creativity, the lack of, of 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 ability to make that connection with the final pass, Carl. It was, like I said, one of the most horrific things in a in a pretty grim display. Good evening. Yes, this was rubbish. Um, I mean, I'll be honest with you. I didn't buy into any of the optimism or hope of miraculous comeback or anything at all of this sort uh, before the game. And. Honestly, I got a bowl of ice cream in front of me, and I'm more excited about that than anything I saw on the pitch tonight. <laughs> it was fair, right, right from very, very early on. You can see, obviously, with the lineup, what the vague plan was, but there was no build-up play for it. There was no actual plan which fit where people might have been. Um, there was no link play. We we had it so many times where there was basically a line of four, and then a line of four, and then a line of two when we were trying to attack, and nobody was moving. Nobody was being that connection player. Nobody was really showing lots of <clears throat> forward thinking with the passing, no ability to take the ball on the half turn, nothing. It was very safe. It was very predictable. It was very slow. Um, I mean, like, you know, we needed to score three tonight. I, I think the XG for us was under half a goal in the end, and it kind of sums up where we were for our attacking play such as you want to call it. it there was nothing there at all there was nothing there whatsoever which at any point suggested Liverpool were going to have a go here well, you're, you're, you've already sort of made a nice little segue for us so let's you and I talk about this Liverpool lineup. Um I saw a, quite a, a delightful visceral reaction from Dave to this lineup being suggested, this particular lineup being suggested earlier on on Twitter, um, several people talking about, you know, what about the idea of uh, Jim Jimbo and Fab sort of holding the fort, and we have we go all out attack with with the other four, um, and you know, like I say, kind of puking emoji from our man. Um, in Cavan there I couldn't I couldn't help but have a, a little chuckle and, and agree and yet that is effectively what I assume was the plan here talk to us about what you think the intention was and where it was supposed to work and what actually occurred then in reality and does a lot of it come down to the fact that Mo has only sporadically been Mo um, that Darwin ha- quite often isn't 
what we, we, we want him to be or where we want him to be. And that, as Dave already alluded to, it looks as if Jota uh, has been taken by the fairies and replaced with a changeling. It's, is, is it, does it come down to the fact that the, 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 the players in the positions laid out by the manager for his master plan just weren't up to it? Or do you think it was a bit daft in the first place? I don't think it was great in the first place because if you're going to pick anything at all about Real Madrid's biggest and best strength, you might be inclined to go for Benzema's goals or Vinny, you know, that combination in attack. But after that, and maybe first for a lot of people, you'll go in central midfield as their biggest strength because it has yeah. been for a decade. Um, so to go in there with Fabinho, who, all right, has been a little bit better in a few recent games, but basically this season has been garbage. And James Milner, who is not even fourth choice central midfielder for us not even fifth choice really some of the time um, I don't know I think it was a flawed plan from the outset what was supposed to happen I would assume rotation of position in the forward line either Jota dropping off or Gagpo trying to get in that sort of connection role because he wasn't really a number 10 tonight he was either very much a second forward or very very deep alongside I was going to say alongside Milner. Actually, he was alongside Van Dyke more often than not in that first sort of 15, 20 minutes. He, he recovered back to make, I think, one good tackle on Benzema, one sort of recovery run, which checked one of their runners from deep that nobody else bothers to do. Um, he was like a very, very six-yard box to six-yard box roving sort of man because there was no structure there, because there was no build-up play there. Again, we're not playing little one-twos in and around the, the number 10 zone because we haven't got anybody in there. Gakpo's going upside, up alongside Jota. Nobody's running in behind, so it's just four people standing in a row. So whatever the plan was, it wasn't executed well. Whatever the plan was off the ball is never executed well this season. Um, the one thing I would say we haven't seen so much of in recent weeks that we did see in the first half here was Salah really, really wide, touchline uh, width, when we were in build-up play. Gakpo pushing up alongside Jota and Trent coming into central midfield. We saw that a good bit in the first half and the only real time it could have paid off for us, Trent basically overhit uh, a pass along the ground in the right channel. I think it was Gakpo and Salah were both sort of able to go for it, but it went in between the two of them. Other than that, it did nothing for us. There was no really good build-up play through that method of, of shifting Trent inside. And obviously, the, as you've already pointed out, we had the, the trouble at the other end of the pitch as well with, with Vinny on the counters. Um, I, honestly, I don't think that club has set the team up right in, in a lot of big matches this season. Um, double pivot midfield is something that I've wanted to see with more regularity, but this wasn't really that, and this wasn't... Actually, Milner, I thought, played okay in terms of what Milner's capable of doing. But in a game like this, it's not who you want to have in central midfield. There's no. He also didn't really play in central midfield. He spent no, he far He's... too long wandering out on the left. He was out on the left, yeah, he was. because and like, like Gakpo was almost playing like a right-sided eight, except he wasn't doing anything in midfield. Like you said, he was in the final third and the attacking third yeah, and not, not involved in the middle third. And Milner thought he was playing left-back. Just... I mean, Really poor setup, really poor execution. And it seemed like the only tactical plan was knock it about a bit, draw them out, and then try and spring it in behind to Darwin or Mo. And them as wide as possible against the slow fullbacks. Nobody was drawn out at all. There was no need for Real Madrid to let themselves be drawn out. So all we did was recycle it around the back and then wait for Van Dijk to big switch out to Salah. That was it. Carlos absolutely had Klopp for lunch again today. 
To be honest, I, I, I think actually as bad as the, the setup was from Klopp, I think it was worse the longer the game went on. I think the changes made things worse. I think the changes underlined a woeful lack of uh, squad use. Um, I, saw, I saw Waz say on Twitter, uh, Klopp's given up on the tie, he's resting Darwin for City. And I was thinking, City's two weeks away, that's a long fucking rest. But like it, it taking off Darwin made no sense. What well, like how do you take him off and leave Milner on? Like you said, Milner was okay by Milner's standards. That's a very low bar. He brings on Ox with fifteen to go. Ox has played five minutes of football in the last two months. The last five minutes in the hammering by Wolves. He wasn't even making the squad. Fifteen months. Yeah, it's like that is absolutely shocking management. It's the, Look, this is this is what I've said though. It's about the, the the whole use of the squad all throughout this season. I think has been very very strange. Like people have been in and first choice and playing, and then suddenly not in for months. And this has gone on a few seasons now. I think there's a few players who are more subject to it than others. Cater's one, Curtis Jones is Curtis, another. Curtis Jones is the other. Yeah, yeah, and, exactly. and Ox is another. Yeah, he Ox is, is another. Ox was Even starting games. Carvalho early on this season was in the yeah. team or first off the bench all the time. Since October, mid-October, I think he's played about five minutes in the Premier League. Yeah. Yet suddenly, in a couple of games now where we need a goal late on, it's him who we turn to again. It doesn't make any sense. And this no. bizarre obsession where Harvey Elliott has to play in every fucking game needs to stop. It needs to stop. The lad came on today. He was a, he was a child among men. He's just so... Like, he had a couple of good moments once in once he got involved in the final third. In that midfield, he's running around like a little boy. They're just pushing him off the ball. He can't get involved. He's not strong enough. He's not quick enough. When he got involved in the final third, he had a couple of really good moments. Yeah. But he's not a Which midfielder. Is where you want to see him. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He's not a midfielder. Like if you want to bring on another forward player, like when you're bringing on Bobby and you're bringing on Harvey, stick with the four-two-three-one. And put Harvey in the final third. Play Bobby as the nine, Harvey as the ten, Gakbo left wing, Mo right wing, and just stick with the same shape. But defaulting back to a 4-3-3 that has barely worked this season, with a midfield three that is now Harvey Elliott and James Milner, either side of Fabinho, you're just asking for the opposition to just play through you with reckless abandon, which is what Real did. And you brace yourself for a summer of recruitment, which will have uh, as one of its core concepts, the concept of Harvey Elliott as a midfielder. And this is where this is where I can't even take consolation that at least this shit is nearly over or at least this has proven uh, what a bust it was to not strengthen um, a, a couple of times in a row in one area where we needed it. I don't feel hopeful because you see the manager do something like tonight uh, and and say, yes, um, young midfielder kid, on you go. Whilst Curtis Jones is kicking his heels in the bench. An actual whilst, midfielder. Whilst Naby Kate is kicking his heels in the bench. And you don't know what what in the world have either of those boys done. I, I, I'm at a loss. And like, I don't want to hear that it's because they've been in poor form. Because Henderson's been garbage for three years, keeps getting picked. Fabinho's been garbage since about March of last season, keeps getting picked. Jota has scored one goal in a year, automatically involved no matter what. Harvey hasn't been particularly good, involved in every game. Trent has been absolutely woeful all season, involved in every game. Robbo has been 
well below the level he was capable of and his decision making is shocking involved in pretty much every game Virgil looks like he couldn't give a fuck most weeks involved in every game so I don't want to hear that it's attitude or form because there's loads of other lads whose attitude and form has been crap and yet they continue to play so whatever it is that Curtis Naby Ox and Fabio Carvalho have done management of them has been absolutely terrible and and Jurgen's had look he's had a terrible season and it began in the summer and I said in August, if James Milner plays a single, James Milner starts a single Premier League or Champions League game for us this season, our recruitment in the summer has been a failure. And James Milner is starting for us in a round of 16 game. And it's nothing to do with his age. It's nothing to do with his age because Luka Modric is older than him. So it's nothing to do with age. If you're, if you're good enough, it doesn't matter what age you are. James Milner just simply isn't good enough. Luka Modric is out there walking around dictating the game as if it's nothing. Tony Cruz is older than Henderson. So it's got nothing to do with age. Those lads just, our lads relied so much on their legs. And now that their legs are gone, they're just not up to the standard anymore. They were never technically good enough. They made up for it with graft, determination. And in Milner's case, a lot of smart decision making and versatility. But he doesn't have his legs anymore. And Real were just pinging the ball around him tonight. And the difference between us and them, and Carl mentioned it, is you look at the midfield. Like Defensively, individually, you're taking every one of our defenders over theirs. Forgetting current form. Individually, you're taking Ali, Trent, Ibu, Virgil and Robbo over what they have. But in front of that, it's Mo and the rest are theirs. And those yeah, are the positions and which and win the, the game. Key, the key. The key thing being, when you look at what they had to take off the bench, they start with that midfield, which has two of the, the the you know trio that I, I did so much for them. Um, but on their bench, for the love of God, the, the strength that's there yeah. for them to be able to take off. I mean, it's just and they've got absolute- a fellow playing right wing, right wing, who's better than any midfielder we own. Far better than any midfielder we own. And he can't get in their team as a midfielder. He's playing right wing for them. That's the difference. Too many coming off the bench. They've got too many coming off the bench. He was going to be our marquee summer signing. He's coming off the bench for them. We're starting James Milner and an out-of-form Fabinho. Bringing on Harvey Elliott and Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain. They're bringing too many off the bench to see the game out. But again, it's not a it's not a hard luck story about Thiago's injury. This no. is absolute. This is just this is just underlining the neglect of the squad. It's if it's there for all to see. You cannot deny it now. It's been proven time and again. Yes, we have a lot of lads in shit form at the back, in the front, all over the pitch. But that is a glaring, glaring error in terms of squad management I don't care what anyone says the, 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 the proof is there in front of you every week if you want to look at it let me just talk to you briefly about Real Madrid because you're right um, Ancelotti just cocked an eyebrow and gave old Klopp another school and, and it's not often that happens to Jurgen um, you know uh, in his in his big rivalries he, he can often be the one who emerges on top but this is just Yes, it's better quality players, Carl, but that team that that started, I'd agree with Dave when he says that, you know, that defense is whatever it is. I'm not a massive fan of Nacho, Rudiger, 
you know, he's he's very serviceable centre half. Militao, I suppose, in the, in the same bracket in terms of the adjective I choose for him. Carvajal has had his better days, although we were saying that, weren't we, going into a very recent game against them where he happened to have a, a monster match or he was allowed to. In Cruz, Modric and the excellent Camavinga, they've just got footballers for days there who can do great footballing things. And, you know, um, Valverde and, and, and Vinny and, and Benzema are all wonderful footballers. Uh, it's it's a fantastic lineup. And it's not necessarily about the fact that we have to match them man for man. But I have to give them credit. I don't like this lot. They get under my skin in a way that not many teams do. Um but attitudinally out there in the pitch, they're all excellent uh, in terms of application in a way that we just we couldn't match over two legs. Um and when you look at their bench, the strength and depth is outrageous. Is there is there any valid validity, Carl, to the to the concept that, you know, we made them perhaps seem a lot better than they actually are? Or do you have to kind of doff your cap and say, well, these guys are, you know, pretty much, uh, they've got to be in the reckoning for yet another one of the big, big ears? I don't think we made them look anything. Honestly, I don't. I don't think we made them look good. I don't think we made them look anything at all. I don't think we did anything today. We just went out there and sort of strolled about a bit. And so, so did they. They didn't need to do anything, Trev. Yeah. All they needed to do was not give us three open goals. Because even if they presented us or we were good enough to create, let's say, three really big chances, they have one of the best keepers in the world. He's probably going to save at least one of those. So all they needed to do was not present us with a succession of open goals. We didn't make well, them- well, well we didn't make them look defensively very, very competent. <laughs> You'd have to say that. Well, I, I mean, I, I wouldn't even say that, to be honest. We just we just didn't do anything, Trev. Honestly, I don't think that them being able to shift side to side is any different to Bournemouth being able to shift side to side. We didn't make Bournemouth look good or committed or extraordinarily resilient at the weekend defensively. We didn't do anything. So I, I, don't, I genuinely don't see that Real Madrid were any good tonight because we didn't, they didn't need to be. They literally Not didn't fair. bother their asses. They got out of bed and had a training session and they'll go back to bed and then they'll get ready for a proper game at the weekend. That's, that's all that's happened here tonight. They've lifted it on like four occasions probably. There were a couple of counter-attacks. Rudiger came across with one. Nacho and I think it was Valverde they came across and sort of all three of them clattered him at once and... Apart from that, what, a couple of counter-attacks? They've not really worked hard tonight. They really haven't. I mean, I 100% agree with what you've said in terms of it's the mentality and the resilience and the just absolute surety of themselves, which comes with doing the business year after year after year in these biggest of matches in the Champions League. They know that they are able to do it. But beyond that, we didn't make them prove it tonight. They, They will not take anything forward from this result tonight at all. Well, that's what I mean, Carl, about we've made them look like a good defensive team because we haven't done anything to them. Like, we've knocked a load of crosses into the first man. We've made a bunch of bad decisions in the final third. We've allowed Antonio Rudiger to make one, you know, some of his big, ridiculous tackles that a referee with eyeballs would be having a close look at because he's two feet off the ground every time. To the common man watching that game... You're coming away thinking, geez, Real Madrid are a good defensive team, aren't they? Because they've nullified Liverpool. 
But the truth is that Liverpool nullify Liverpool. We're not a good possession team. You watch the difference when they have the ball against when we have the ball. And every time they have the ball, there's purpose in what they're doing. There's movement. There's interchanges. They know what to do and when to do it. We get the ball and it's, let's try this. Oh, that didn't work. Right, Trent, you launch one in from over there. Let's knock it down the wing to Mo. That hasn't worked. We'll knock it back. Trent, you launch one in. Move it across to Robbo. Swing across. And everything we do is very, very simple. We're a very simple possession team. It's one of the reasons Klopp always talked about Gegen pressing being his best playmaker. Because in terms of possession and patterns of play and build-up, we're not and have never been, and neither were Dortmund, a particularly incisive team. We're great in chaos. We're great off turnovers. We're great on counterattacks. But against teams that bet in, We've always struggled under Klopp. And I know we've gotten results, but that's because we've had world-class players. And we've also been great at set pieces in the past. And we've been able to wear teams down and beat them with a set piece or beat them with a piece of Mo or Mane or Bobby Genius. But, or, or a Trent pass or a great Robbo cross. We've been able to get one individual act that's just picked them apart. But we don't do it in the same way that you see a team like Real or City or even Arsenal do where they just move the defence around and manipulate them and open up space and create opportunities. We don't do that. We never have. That's not... It's one of the weaknesses of Klopp's game is that against teams that are happy to just sit in and let you come at them... And and even Ancelotti has said this. Liverpool are really predictable. And we've always been quite a predictable team, but we were brilliant at what we did. And now that we're not even good at what we do... We're just very easy to play against for for any competent backline. Yeah, our predictability didn't matter because it involved unpredictability in what we were doing. That's the that's the that was the lovely kind of contradiction in it. We could, you know, people could say, "Well, we know what Liverpool are going to do," and you could go, "Yeah, but you can't stop it. Exactly, there's nothing you can do to stop it." Now, and now we now are our unpredictability comes from Darwin, and you you can look at you know what we do with Darwin on the pitch versus what we do without him on the pitch, and we're two very different teams now. Part of that is because Darwin doesn't really know what Darwin's going to do next. But he does create an element of chaos and he does give uncertainty to a, to a defence. And tonight even, in that first half, they very clearly were aware of him and making sure he didn't get too involved in the game. And once he went off, we offered so little. So, so little. And we made it. we just made it really easy for them because... We've been poorly set up tonight. We've been poorly prepared. And yeah, look, going in was always a long shot. But I mean, you could have gone and won the game. You could have gone and won the game. I know the Real Madrid, but we're fucking Liverpool, lads. We're Liverpool. Four years ago, we won the European Cup. We were the best team in Europe by a country mile. That year and into the next year. That Liverpool team would have torn apart this this Real Madrid team. Last year, last year we were the better team in the final against. We were, we were the better team all season. Yeah, Real won a very weak La Liga last year. Had a lot of luck getting to the Champions League final, and we lost ourselves that final because we played. We played some cowardly football in that final. We didn't take advantage of opportunities that were there because, again, we're just not a particularly good possession-based team. Thiago makes a difference. And when he plays, you can really see us start to 
make things happen because he will manipulate the, the opposition. He'll move them around and look for those opportunities and then we can take advantage. But all you need to do is look at results with and without him. And for all the dickheads that took the 7-0 over United to say, oh, I've always said we're better with, without, without Thiago and the team. Like, you're absolute Fox morons. Take. Like, absolute morons. We're half the team without him now. Because we don't have the energy. We don't have the athleticism we had. We don't have the aggression we had. And the other thing we don't have is we don't have any bastard in us at all. Like, there's no snarl in this team anymore. There's no needle. Robbo at times will perk up and he'll be a bit of a bastard like he was against United. And he, you know, he'll get people wound up. You look at them tonight. Any little touch on the floor, free kick, slow the game. They are just so much more clever than we are when it comes to the little fine margins in the game. We're far too honest. We're like a group of choir boys out there and they're like a bunch of street urchins you know we're the ones running around carrying bags of shopping for old ladies and they're the ones running up nicking the old lady's purse to go and have a good time at the fair like just <laughs> what you're saying is you want to see Diego Simeone's Liverpool that's what you're I saying I just want to see us I want to see us have some bottle Trev I yeah, want to yeah. see us grow a set of bollocks because I'm sick and tired of these, ins- these insipid performances we just turn up and unless things go our way we just there's no fight in the team there's no fight in the team anymore where did it go like what happened to these supposed mentality monsters they've all gotten far too comfortable they got their one league title and their one European Cup and because of the manager's persona and a fan base that were so desperate for success they've all been allowed to kick back and rest on their laurels this never would have happened under, say, Ferguson at United. Never would have happened. If he'd seen this shit, he'd have shipped half them out at Christmas. He'd have Trent yeah. sat in the, in the back row of the stands. And then he'd have had him clean his car. This wouldn't fly under any other top manager. Jürgen stands there and he looks bemused and he comes out in the press and he makes excuses and he comes out with other horse shit. Like, I'm sorry, you're either a top club or you're not. And if you're not, that's fine. But you're not this club. Hello, I'm here to annoy you. I'm here to annoy you into listening to more of me and more of others on EPL Index. We don't just have the Anfield Index stuff. We've got EPL Index as well, which covers the entirety of the Premier League. And we have three podcasts and a whole bunch of really good writing on EPLindex.com. The podcasts are my own two-footed podcast, which is every day at 4 p.m., Monday through Friday, covering the whole league. We have a Tad Predictable hosted by Tadiwa. You know Tadiwa, he does Anfield Index. He presents a Tad Predictable before every Premier League match week. And then Kevin DeVries and his crew on the EPL Roundtable, there every week after the Premier League match week. So make sure you listen to everything we're doing on EPL Index and follow us there on Twitter, at EPL Index. Thank you. Bye-bye. I want to get into the details of the match because in doing that, we'll be able to get into some more specifics around certain players and what it was we were doing or not doing very well. But 
a moment, if we might, before we begin, just to do a very, very quick ref watch on the quite remarkable character that is Felix Swear. I, I, I want to say again that in almost each and every Raw this season, um, I found myself talking about soft, intimidatable, uh, characterless sort of NPC types wandering around in the Premier League in the green or black or yellow shirt or whatever happens to be on the day. And <clears throat> this guy, I have no idea what it was he was doing, whether he had a little bit of, uh, thought he had a bit of swagger. As you said earlier on, Dave, very reluctant to produce a card when it might have been quite helpful indeed to establish a certain amount of balance in a game. And then we had the match ending when we're all just pleased for the love of God, blow the whistle with him making himself front and center. You could argue he didn't have much choice. He had to go to the monitor, but even then he goes to the monitor, he's milking the others off it. Just unbelievable stuff again. You know well that he's, he's heading into the Real Madrid dressing room after the game with his autograph book, looking to get Modric and Benzema to sign things for him because that's just who he is. <clears throat> he, he's there to obviously be part of the show but he also wants to shine a nice light on on the main actors, you know, your Benzema's, your Modric's, your, your crews. Like, he let, like, there's a tackle in the first half. The ball is played over the top. And I think it's Darwin is running down our left wing looking for it. And Rudiger Nacho. comes across. Yeah. Ru- yeah. No, yeah, Rudiger comes across. And he launches himself he does. towards the ball with both feet in the air. And when he makes contact with the ball with his left foot, his right foot's about knee height. If Darwin doesn't pull up, he gets absolutely cleaned out. And the referee doesn't even consider it as a foul. He's he's also, this is what kills me. He's also in the air and out of control. Yeah. And later later on, Nacho does exactly does the, the same, same on, on Darwin. And, like, and even again, look, at the, look at the one where Mo, Mo steps on Nacho's heel. Mo is fouled in that. Mo puts his foot up and controls the ball and Nacho kicks up through his leg. And when Mo brings his foot down, he steps on Nacho's heel. And the referee gives them a free kick. Mo is the one who's been fouled there. And yet they get the free kick. But this is what I mean about them being much smarter than us. Mo is too nice. Mo is far too honest. Mo should be rolling around on the ground for half the game. And he would legitimately deserve free kicks for most of it. But just while you're mentioning ref watch, I I need to bring up this Ray Hudson doing commentary on CBS. Jesus Lord Christ. Uh, for those that don't know, Ray Hudson was a below-average player and a way below-average manager, in mostly in America, who became known <clears throat> as a commentator on La Liga. He's a Geordie who thinks that he is, in fact, the main character in the entire show. He's the one people are tuning in for. And he likes to compare things to all manner of stuff and, you know, use stupid analogies like putting the cork in the champagne bottle or the red carpet pass or oh. all, all kinds of different jargon that's all absolute horseshit. He talks over the uh, the lead commentator nonstop, interjects to spout wisdom or whatever, makes orgasm signs when or sounds when nothing is happening. And just shouts and roars when nothing has really gone on. Like someone will play a six yard pass in the middle of the park and he'll olay because he thinks it's something majestic that Luka Modric oh. or Cruz has done. 
Um, so he's a soccer Saturday pundit c- yeah, commentating but he, but on a match. He's also yeah. he's kind of like a soccer Saturday meets fan zone. Remember Sky right. used to do the fan zone thing. Like he'd oh, yeah. be well well fitting on fan zone. He said, and I quote. The referee has managed the game brilliantly tonight. <laughs> He's let the yeah. game breathe. That's all you really want from a referee. <sighs> <laughs> wow. Yeah. yeah, that's that's a good that's a good spot for us to end ref watch on. Uh Carl, let's look at the first half where there were some signs, uh, I don't know. The early moments showed... Have we not uh, finished the game already? Jesus Christ. <laughs> Listen, just because your ice cream is finished doesn't mean you get off the hook. Uh, I, I, I was quite happy with the tempo that we set early on. Um, some decent early pressing. But, you know, it was really clear that if any break at all came against us, we were going to be vulnerable um, because after our couple of minutes of pressing, there was a break and Benza was, Benzema was offside, but it was, it was it just a ball driven into him and you were already thinking, oh, are we wide open again? Canate did very well 1v1 with Vinicius on four minutes and that was encouraging. Um, but then a feature of the game, one of these things we're going to have to talk about um, I want to talk about it with you now uh, before we go too much further on, uh, which is there were two shitty clearances by us in a row and then a bad pass as we were flapping around trying to clear our lines from a corner. Now, I think this is a gorgeous, succinct metaphor for our form and season. The ineptitude that we have at clearing our lines on set pieces at the moment. There's a sideways header. There's another header up into the air. One of our lads appears to have the absolute dominance for the ball that's dropping and somehow loses it to a short arse. Then we drive a ball against someone's shin and it comes back and a side foot. It's all pinball bullshit. And I, for one... Carl, I'm sick of it. And it's symptomatic of a team that's, you know, all over the place. But, but seeing it happening, it's just, do you understand what I mean by it being just a perfect metaphor for the chaos, the disorder and the ineptitude that we've seen in so many appearances? And it's set in right from the start. That's six, that's five minutes in and we can't clear our lines. And that's how the first half continued, and that's how the second half continued. Any time they attacked, yeah, I completely agree. This is all comes back to a lack of organisation in one half of the pitch and a lack of control in the other. We have no build-up structure at the minute. We have no, we have no clarity of how to play. To be perfectly honest, we've not been good off the ball all season long. That's not a surprise. It's not a secret anymore. But nothing has changed to make that different the only time we tried to do different stuff this season was that run of what was about four five six matches something like that before the world cup where we changed formation like three times other than that we won like one game or two games or something like that and he said yeah yeah we're sticking with four three three and we've not done anything different we've done nothing different off the ball since then not in midfield with what they do, not with trying to press as a team, as a unit, higher up fields, not with dropping off into a lower... Nothing at all. Nothing has changed. And so it has been this, what we've seen in this first half, over and over again, and worse. Worse and worse. And the only reason it wasn't worse tonight, one of the worst games that we've had all season, is because, again, they didn't need to. So when they did bother to throw a few people forward, when they did make us 
have to make um, provisions, let's say, to stop five people in the attacking third rather than just two. We didn't have a clue how to do it. It was either bodies in the way or hope or alley, and that was it. And it's, I, I mean, I'm with you. I, I've long been fed up with our lack of practicality almost. Uh, if you're going to accept that we are not at our best this season, that doesn't mean you can just write things off. You have to find a way to keep it, at least be consistent in getting results. And we're not. Uh, if if no other matches had told us that this season, if we refused to get the message beforehand, beating United and losing to Bournemouth should have been the one. And as we can see by tonight, it hasn't made it really any impact at all, because otherwise we would have seen a response tonight. And defensively, we're a mess because there is no cohesion in midfield. There are no real responsibilities being picked up. I don't think there is no, like Dave said, absolute horrible bastard in this team. And we need to, we have to at the highest level. If you haven't got that and you're not street smart and you're not willing to call it what you want, cheat or dive or buy time or whatever it is, you're not going to win anything. You're not going to win anything at all. And tonight, I think, was a an irrelevant performance is the word I want to use here. I, I, it, if this was not Liverpool, I would never speak of this match. That's what this game was. I, I think that's absolutely fair. And I, I just stay with me up until the 17th minute, which is when we register our first attempt. And it's a bad one after a good move. Because what we do here is we're going to double down on the things that you've just said and the points that I was raising as well. Because after that um, ridiculous attempt to clear our lines in five minutes, there's a Darwin effort, but straight at Courtois, Mo had gotten in and played him in and it sort of had something about it that made you sit up a little bit, but it's, you know, the, the, the effort's not great. Then we see Trent sliding in on Vinicius. Uh to give away a free in the corner on seven minutes. And, you know, a sliding tackle is a sliding tackle. And I used to love them as a player. And they're increasingly silly to do as the years have gone on because you're almost always punished when you go to ground if you don't do it right, unless you're Nacho, it would appear. Um, But that was a, a sign of him being a little bit extended a little bit earlier on early on and then almost immediately afterwards he plays a fucking stupid pass right into the middle of the field they break uh jimmy miller clears they should score it's a corner another corner this is not looking good at all we're absolutely crap at clearing our lines again and it ends with a cruise half volley rasper into ali's chest at that stage i knew i swear to god in my in my guts i knew there was nothing going to come of this just like you're saying you kind of it's it was a nothing and this performance was a nothing mo versus nacho on the right half decent we've got a corner from that it was an appalling corner they break cody did very well to track back and stop benzema you mentioned that early on or they could have been in a corner for them another chance on 30 minutes ali has to make an absolutely fantastic point blank save from vinicius because again we're all over the shop uh ibu has to go in late on benzema on 16 minutes could have been a yellow and a different match but our man uh, doesn't like cards and a little chunk that we're going to finish with was this opportunity I'm telling you about. The first half decent one of the match for us. It's a good flowing move. Trent plays in Mo, who centers the Jota. 
and he has a sort of a sliced left footed volley which goes across the face of goal he doesn't really get contact with it at all but talk about doubling down on the points you just made in that little section of the match that I thought was quite remarkable and nearly everything you flagged up happened a few times in that sequence before we even registered anything resembling a sort of a decent uh, move followed by albeit a crap shot I mean the fact that it happened several times is part of the reason why it keeps happening several times in several games is because we don't learn anything and we don't change anything it's 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 a big concern I think that players who have won as much as they have and been close to us winning as much as they have cannot deviate from the initial plan to stop shit happening I mean this is like in my five aside team we do this if we're getting smashed in the first half because one guy is like tearing us apart, well, obviously you change and you do whatever is part of your capability or whatever. In every other sport, if you're losing in, in, I don't care, any other sport, change what you're doing. In football, we do it all the time, but we don't. We just play the same way and the same players have the same responsibilities that aren't stopping them or from set pieces. Nobody on the edge of the box. What, three times in a row, really? I mean, we got done by this last season when we were playing well and a couple of unfortunate, let's say, occasions where absolutely top-class finishers found the top corner or whatever, fine. But in the same game when they've nearly scored and then they've nearly scored again and then you still let them do it again, I don't know. There's there's, there's something wildly, wildly off about this team at the minute. And, and like I said, I think that a big part of it is the coaching and the decision-making before the match. But the other part is the players during the game, when things are not going to plan and you still keep doing the same thing. I mean, the Trent tackle that you mentioned on Vinicius, which gave away the foul. I mean, what was there other than that that Trent did to stop Vinicius? Like, I'm not a fan of defenders trying to nip around the front of a, a forward who's receiving the ball because if he gets turned, he's never getting back. But he didn't do that. He didn't stand off and give him five, give himself five yards. He didn't tight, tight, tightly. Nothing. There was nothing done by any single player to make different things happen when we were struggling. And we weren't struggling relentlessly because, again, Real didn't need to push on all the time. They didn't need to commit six players forward. But there was one occasion, I don't even think anything happened at the end of it, but it was like a half cross sort of cleared came out to the right side of the box Valverde I think he beat I think it was Van Dijk he beat to the ball first then Milner and then Robertson just by running just by running fast and being aggressive and he beat all three of them to successive touches and then he got a sort of cross in which I think Alisson maybe caught in the air or something like that nothing nothing major happened but that's just what we are at the minute we're second to everything everything defensively Mm. Second, very, very reactive when we're going forward. There's no link-up play. There's no combinations between most of the attackers. There's there's no real partnerships throughout this team at all. It is not what I would really look at and say this is a team. That's, that's how I feel about Liverpool at the minute. Dave, to run through all the rest of the events in the first half, because we can, uh, quite quickly, Camavinga rattles one off the bar via Ali's fingertips. It's so easy for them. It basically, the, we open up like, um, you know, just 
so easily for any player who wants to take a position centrally and have a dig or one side step and all of a sudden we're wide open that's a good effort from Kamavinga turns out to be a great intervention by Ali 21 minutes another poor clearance by us uh, to a central area of the park this time it's James Miller at fault Modric this time it's his turn to have a shot he drives one just narrowly over and they're playing with us Dave to, to underline what Carl's saying here it's just it's so easy for them they didn't have to get out of any of the lower gears at all and still they were able to just sort of uh, have these sort of um, speculative efforts every so often when they wanted it there was a an opportunity for Vinicius but he was offside and shot at Allison anyway Darwin did okay on a break nearly got killed by Nacho that time he was on a wild clearance Cody flashed a header across the face of goal from a Trent cross but I say flashed a header across the face of goal. He helped it on its way. It was never going to worry the target. Um, decent build-up play by us. Darwin with a header from a Fabinho ball in. But again, it's a little clip, clipped pass forward. There's no pace on it. And Darwin has to generate all the direction and pace. So it was never going to be a goal. 32 minutes. Um, the same man does cut in and produce a good save from Courtois who touches it around the corner um, for a corner, around the post for a corner. And that ended with a sort of a wild Canate half volley into space. Um, then Vinicius up the far end, cuts inside. Trent again, hits low, but at Ali, a half decent move by us then on 35 minutes ends with a, I think it's a half volley by Cody Gakpo from right back across to left. It was a half decent move that ended in the corner. Um, swung in low from uh, Trent nothing really happened as a result um, one decent Fabinho tackle I noticed on Cruz on 39 and uh, <laughs> they got free for it um, Fabinho under pressure uh, wild pass out of play uh, towards Trent Alexander-Arnold just like he did against Bournemouth on 40 minutes and, and again if you're looking for little metaphors Fab just pinging the ball straight out of play is just perfect um Canati did okay versus Valverde uh while facing his own goal in 42 minutes and Ali picked up a block shot in 46 minutes there was nobody looking around we then finally did break just at the death and got nothing from it uh, from a corner that resulted now if you take all the events that I've just spoken about there there's nothing really that's wild exciting or caused apart from Darwin's drive that caused um, the keeper to get too excited or have to do anything too urgent and when you think about what's at stake here I think that's quite uh, the the indictment of the team and the effort and all of the things is there anything you want to mention about the first half specifically either in that chunk or just overall no, like you, I thought the first kind of 15 minutes at least, the energy levels looked good. There didn't seem to be any kind of structure to what we were doing. It was just, you know, a lot of lads kind of emptying the tank early on, which has its pluses and its minuses. But it was very clear the only way we were going to get anything out of this game was by going out and trying to blow them off the pitch. Because that's basically just what our mindset and game plan has always been under Jurgen. At that fast fast start, try and get an early goal, and then you know try and wear them down from there. And and once we didn't get an early goal, it became very clear that there was 
zero chance. There was a very, 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 very small chance we were going to, you know, come back in the tie. But that was gone once those first 15, 20 minutes were over. And then it just became, well, can we win the game? Can we at least salvage something from this tie? A little bit of pride, maybe. And as the game wore on, the answer to that obviously became, no, we cannot. Uh, but no, other than, you know, there was a, a couple of decent half moments in the first half with Mo, with Darwin, but there was no... It was like there was no connective tissue between the two flanks. It was like they were playing separate games. It was Mo and Gakpo and Trent, and they were playing one game. And then there was Darwin and and Robbo and Milner, and they were kind of playing another game. And Fab was rushing around trying to put out fires and then booting the ball into touch any time he got it. And Jota just looked completely lost. And the two centre-backs were literally all that seemed to be holding us together for a little while. Um, as Vinicius just tore lumps out of Trent, as Valverde ran endlessly down the right, as they you know, just worked things around in midfield and Benzema dropped off and linked to everything. The only thing that was giving me any kind of confidence in our ability to potentially win the game was the two centre-backs because I thought, well, those two at least look up for it. They look like they've got a bit of mojo about them tonight. Ibu's been monstrous over there, shutting down Fetty. Virgil is on top of Benzema when he needs to be. He's already given him a couple of little niggles here and there and you know he's following him out and getting a little kick on his heels so he's not as quick to turn. That was about it. Other than that, the first half just looked literally like a bunch of lads that had been told to go out and run around. Go out and express yourself, lads. Make the best of it. It, it just it was, yeah. There was no cohesive plan at all. It was like Carol mentioned it earlier. It was that we had that sh- shit of Trent playing line or sorry, Mo playing linesman and Trent playing right sided midfield. <clears throat> which, if you'll remember, we had at the start of the season, and it was shit. <laughs> and unsurprisingly, it was shit again tonight because it doesn't work. And whoever's idea that is, and you know, not to point fingers, but my fingers pointed directly at Mister Intensity himself. It's the same shit he was doing when he went out to try and be a manager by himself a few years ago. Playing one player really, really wide on the le- on the wing and tucking his fullback into midfield because that's what the modern managers do. Because that's what Pep does. That's what Arteta does in copying them. The inverted fullback and all the rest of that junk. It's not something that works for us. It's not something we have the players to do. And it's a waste of the players that we're asking to play in those roles. You know, I would love to say um, we'll march our way through the, the incidents of the second half and maybe we could have derive some joy from that, but we're not going to be able to do that because you would think, wouldn't you, you, know, you would imagine on the back of that first half, we'd come out at least tails up and go, go, go. Um, there's nothing. I'm looking at my notes here. There's nothing created by us in the second half. No chance. Nothing. And I think, I, I think as a result, we already sort of flagged up that we're going to do this. I think we're going to keep this very short. 
I don't think we need to reflect on too many details here. We'll have a look at the concession of the goal, but honestly, it's almost academic. I mean, who cares that they scored? And, you know, it really doesn't matter. It's, it's again, it's attitudinal, but all of the chances that occur in that second half are for them. It's, it's, it's a remarkable thing. And we make those interventions, Bobby and Harvey coming on for Jota and Darwin on 56 minutes. Again, that's weird. That is weird. If you make the ch- make the change at halftime, make one of those changes at halftime, you know, shake it up if that's what you think you need to do. But no, we'll go for, you know, 10, 11 minutes and see how that goes. And how that went was nothing happened uh, in those opening moments except some half-decent defensive uh, play by, by Fabinho, by Milner, some good tracking back by Cody Gakpo, uh, Virgil and Ibu, fantastic against Benzema and Vinicius, um, one after the other. That's all defensive shit by us. We broke on 53 minutes, Mo's ball into Jota was appalling, like most of our final balls were. We'd make those substitutes. There's a corner, nothing. Our final ball is appalling. Again, Fab, Millie, one after the other. Terrible, terrible options chosen when there were better ones available. A little bit of a link-up play between Bobby and Mo. Nothing comes of it because Mo puts in a shit final ball this time. Uh, Virgil does well defensively. You see the pattern? We do okay defensively, but we've got nothing to offer. Uh, Modric does Trent up like a kipper, puts a cross over to Valverde, who heads over. Bit of good play by Vinicius. Great ball into Benzema, who fires over. Great work by Bobby to um, bail out Trent again. Are you hearing any attacking play? All I'm saying that's positive is good defensive work. Now we bring on Oxlade-Chamberlain for Miller, 72 minutes. There's one half-decent move, but then we go the goal down uh, to make it 6-2 on aggregate. That's embarrassing. It's a howler of a goal. A ball through to Benzema. Uh, Virgil seemed to do enough initially. The ball broke. We had the Querfula jogging back. Uh and um, on on the deck, Vinicius manages. Loops up in the air, Trev. As it loops off Benzema, watch Vinicius go from zero to a hundred in an instant. And yeah. Trent is looking the other way. Yeah. Trent is looking up the pitch. He doesn't even know what's gone on behind him. Not a clue. It's he turns round. It's like he's jogging for the sake of jogging. He has no idea what's gone on. I guarantee if he'd been asked after the game, how did that goal go in? He wouldn't have a notion how it found its way to Vinicius because he didn't see it because he was looking the other way because he's got no focus because his attitude is a disgrace. And if Jurgen Klopp has anything about him, Trent starts the next game against City sitting in the stands, not on the bench, not on the bench because he doesn't deserve to be on the bench because he doesn't deserve to wear the shirt he starts it sitting in the stands way up in the gods and he can explain to people up there why the fuck he's sitting up there and that's where he should sit for probably the next five six games until his attitude improves because this is not the first time this season we've talked about his attitude his attitude has been a disgrace he just doesn't look like he cares I don't need a VPN. I've got nothing to hide. (laughs) This is what I used to tell myself before I hooked up with LibertyShield.com. Not only is my home internet now fully encrypted, but I can now access all the websites I want. 
whenever I want, and do so from absolutely anywhere. As a Liverpool fan, I love to know I can now watch every match, regardless of whether it's on UK TV or not. My Liberty Shield VPN makes sure nothing is blocked and guarantees me super-fast streaming speed throughout that match. You can get connected right now with their software package, which includes a 48-hour no-obligation free trial and instant access to their apps for Apple, Android, Fire TV, PC, Mac and Android TV. Or go a step further like I have and get one of their pre-configured VPN routers. These small but powerful devices allow you to easily connect every device in your home to VPN, making it the perfect solution for smart TVs, mag boxes and games consoles. Visit libertyshield.com today and use coupon code AIVPN25 to get 25% off at checkout. Which is quite something. Which is quite something to be saying at this point of a season and yet here we are saying it and... Like I say, nothing, there's nothing to talk about. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to, we said we'd wrap this one up early. We're going to wrap it up now in the next couple of minutes. So I'll get final thoughts from you in a minute, Dave, to see the show out. And I'll get yours now, Carl, because <clears throat> I know you'll appreciate um, not having to do a whole lot more on this. So let's just wrap this one up. Um, it's going to be difficult to say anything different because um, we're all, including the people in the chat there, sort of at a loss to understand we're scratching our heads we're we're, we're wondering what, what has happened here um is there anything that you want to mention by way of a takeaway from the second half and if not uh, just do bring us home with your final thoughts on this and uh, let us know if there's anything coming up from yourself in the next day or two uh, uh trev honestly i don't think we take anything from this other than how not to play football but we've had enough examples of that this season that it's not going to make any difference having another one today uh, i had a little look there you know again we needed to score three times in minimum they wiped the floor us in terms of chances chances created the quality of chances like I said we didn't even reach anywhere near one we didn't even get to 0.5 in terms of the XG on the night so defensively we didn't do enough I mean even for the goal to be perfectly honest I think I think we've been kind there in the description of the centre-backs I think Canati is, is sort of on Vinicius initially Van Dijk isn't on anyone Benzema's in between the two of them and Van Dijk I think is a bit too slow doesn't quite deal with it enough doesn't deal with it enough again Canate by that point hasn't switched on to flick over and, and, and go on Benzema I mean it's it's tie over by then fine but these are the things stupidities going against us as they have all season in terms of the deflection and the bounce and all the rest of it fine but we cause the problems ourselves by not being switched on consistently all game long in the first place and that's not good enough it really isn't uh, in terms of the wider picture, let's say, uh, I think all of Klopp's European exits with Liverpool have come against Spanish clubs so far. 6-2 as the aggregate defeat is our highest ever in a Champions League tie, obviously, uh, which is, is never a particularly nice thing to see. And something you mentioned right at the top of the show about the crap passing, basically, in the final third um, the, the the numbers of key passes are a little bit misleading on, on this occasion because a few of them were little knockdowns or, or touches which were sort of long shots and that kind of thing. Not not very good, but the uh, the crossing stats were were fairly wild. Um, the fullbacks alone, sixteen crosses, five of them reached a Liverpool player, and the rest of the team 
nine crosses between them, ten crosses between them, and and one of those found a Liverpool player. Um, we had shit movement in the final third, basically, and even if there was good movement, the passing was equally shit. This was just a forgettable, forgettable match, and quite honestly, out of Europe with a whimper. Yeah, that really says it all. Out of Europe with a whimper. Very depressing. Um, do you want to talk about what you've got coming up, Carl, in terms of Liverpool work, or is that just too depressing to consider as well? Because I, I would fully be understanding of that. Uh, I don't even know what I'm going to write at the minute, to be perfectly honest, because... Like I said, if this wasn't Liverpool, I wouldn't be writing on this game. I wouldn't be saying anything about this game. I wouldn't be have any any kind of input on this game whatsoever. It was just a poor team going out of Europe to a good team who don't have to do anything. That's what this game is in the, in the broad spectrum of football. So I don't actually know that I'll write anything on this game. There'll probably be something in the lead up to the the, the next run of games, but that's over two weeks away right now. So in terms of Liverpool content, it's going to be... Surely FM style coming in your ears. I guess we'll do a few podcasts uh, on Scouted before, well, over the international break and before we, we resume action again. Um, I haven't spoke to Dave about it yet, but perhaps we'll do some non-pitch stuff so that it's not all utterly, utterly woeful and depressing. <laughs> I agree with that. I agree with that policy completely. I, I, I have no interest in doing anything that's pitch-related for the next fortnight. I think we should be all doing... Uh, fanciful podcasts about what might happen if and what could have happened if and all that type of stuff because honestly uh, it is it is getting a little bit much at times I have to say and Dave you take us uh, home for the show with your own final thoughts and again I'm sure uh, you're feeling very much like you've said it all before but if there's anything left remaining on the table throw it out there and let people know uh, that reassure them that uh, they no longer have to listen to me mumbling into a microphone and that you're back in the saddle uh, from tomorrow. Uh, so what, yeah. do you, what uh, do you got for us? Unfortunately, folks, having had the joy of listening to Trev's velvety voice the last two days, it's my Tony scumbag voice back on <laughs> uh, the Daily Red and two-footed from tomorrow, back talking to myself and the voices in my head. Um, a couple of things here. Uh, Klopp versus Carlo. 13 games. They face each other. Carlo has won seven. Jurgen has won three. And there have been three draws. Now, you might dismiss that and say, well, Carlo was at Real Madrid twice. Mm, that's fair enough. Uh, take those games out. And Carlo has three wins, Jürgen has two, and there are three draws, which wouldn't be so bad, except that Carlo was in charge of a very mediocre Napoli team and a very bad Everton team. And yet, at Napoli, two wins for Carlo, a win for Liverpool and a draw. At Everton, a win for Carlo, a win for Klopp and two draws. So wherever Carlo has been, he has largely had... Jurgen's number, which is a concerning and also a bit disappointing. Uh, Liverpool this season have conceded 49 goals. Last season they conceded 48 in 23 games more across all competitions. Uh, last season in the league they conceded 26 goals. This season in the league they've already conceded 29. And remember there are 12 games left. Jurgen Klopp at Liverpool 16-17. 
9 defeats in 47, 17, 18, 9 defeats in 56, 18, 19, 7 defeats in 53, 19, 20, 8 defeats in 57, 2021, the season we had no centre backs, 12 defeats in 53 games, last season 4 defeats in 63 games. This season, 13 defeats in 40 games. This is the worst season of Jurgen Klopp's Liverpool career by a considerable wow. margin. And he has no excuses this season. In, in and 20, there's a chunk of it left, Dave. There's 12 games left, Trev. 12 yeah. games left. We are out of every competition now. The only thing we can do to salvage the season is fourth. And I do think Jurgen should be considering himself very, very fortunate that he has built up uh, good credit with the fan base that he has owners who are quite lax and lack ambition because Tottenham are having a marginally better season than us. Now it is marginal. They're six points ahead of us in the league. We have a game in hand, but win that, they're still three points better off than us. We're both out of every cup competition. They've gone out to AC Milan, who it's a little bit embarrassing because Milan aren't particularly good. We've gone out to Real Madrid and it's embarrassing because we got spanked at home. But they are having a marginally better season and there are large numbers of their fan base actively calling for that manager to go. He's only been in the job, remember, just over a year. Hasn't really had his chance to put his fingerprints on the team to the full extent yet. Jürgen has been in the job almost eight years. This is his club, his team, his fingerprints, his identity. We're having a worse season than them. This is an unacceptable season by any standard for any top club and at any other top club we would be having a very strong conversation about Jurgen. now I think I still think we would come to the assumption and the conclusion that he should be back this summer and given next season to turn things around and get us back moving in the right direction I think that's the, the conclusion any rational person would come to but if you're not having at least some doubts and some concerns I worry that you have been struck down by blind faith because 13 defeats in 40 games. We're losing one in every three matches that we're playing this season. We're conceding over a goal a game. We've got the best goalkeeper in the world, allegedly the best right back in the world, two of the best centre backs in the world and one of the best left backs in the world. The defence have not been good, but the bigger issue is what's in front of them. And the bigger issue is that midfield that is Jürgen's fault because he has clung on to players for too long. He allowed a very, very important, arguably his most important midfield player to leave for nothing while extending the contract of a lesser player because he had a tantrum in the media. This is on Jürgen. All of this season is on him. And we know the issues with the owners. We've talked about them at length, but... If you are the owner of a football club and your manager has delivered a European Cup and a Champions League and you have a fan base that is satisfied with that and large portions of your fan base and let's call them some prominent voices in your fan base who are happy to trumpet the great success of FSG and the Klopp era and not look at the fact that, in truth, we have underperformed in the last five years in terms of trophies won. We should have at least two league titles. We should have at least two European Cups. But it is what it is. If you're FSG, why would you put your hand in your pocket? You've never done it before. Nobody's demanding that you do it now, at least not directly. The, 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 some, some fans are, but the manager's not. 
He's not kicking down the door. He's not giving interviews in the press saying, well, I haven't been backed here. He's just touting the company line. So if you're cheapskate owners, the best thing you can have is a manager like Jurgen Klopp, who's never, ever going to rock the boat because he is loyal to a fault. So this falls on him. This is his fault this season. And it's up to him to turn it around. And he needs to make drastic changes. He needs to make drastic changes on the pitch and off the pitch. If the players have gotten bored of the message, change the message. If they've tuned out the voices that are giving him giving them those messages, change the voices. You don't have to get rid of the existing ones. Add something new. Add a new element. You've also got to add big new elements on the pitch and you've got to stop being reliant on players that are years past their best and no longer have anything to offer. And players who may still have plenty to offer but are currently not offering it should not be on the pitch. They should be sitting in the stands learning a lesson or they should be getting publicly filleted because it's unacceptable. It is absolutely unacceptable for us to be this meek, cowardly team. And tonight we have seen cowardly football from Liverpool. So I'm I'm fed up with this team now. I can't wait for the season to be over. It's strange we came into the year with, you know, real excitement. You know, we knew we were we were lacking a little bit in midfield because we were lacking last season I didn't think we'd win the league this year I thought we'd have a better chance in this Champions League because I do think Jürgen's mindset and style is always better in a cup competition but I mean we've gone out and this isn't the first time we've been embarrassed this season Napoli's kicked the shit out of us in the opening game Real kicked the shit out of us in the first game and tonight we just shat ourselves so you know they didn't even need to do it for us but you've got 12 games to save the season if we don't get top four that's a catastrophe because there's the built-in excuse to not spend what's needed because the manager's not going to make a, a, a fuss he's just going to tout the same company line and pick up his 12 million a year yeah I think if it's rational um, to um, if it's if it's sort of irrational to be calling for Klopp, it's equally irrational not to be having those discussions and having those anxieties and having those worries. And like, it's fine to say that he's not perfect, Trev. Yeah, but uh, of course, you no, know, it's is, fine to say that. You, like, you, that doesn't mean you're against him or you hate him or you want him. He's, no, he's just he's not no, perfect. No. He's unless, a great manager, unless, but he's not. Like, he's, yeah, he's a great 20, manager, but he's flawed. In 2023, it, it, it is saying that because in 2023, if you're not exactly with me, then you're against me and people have no, they have no space for nuance. And there's loads of lads out there now, lads who, know, who should know better. They're talking about great days out. They're talking about the, all the things you won. They're talking about how spoiled we are. That can go and fuck itself. I'm not spoiled. I'm not spoiled at all. I should have at least several other trophy wins that I've got in my recent memory. I don't have them. I, I saw somebody smart. recently say that in the last five years, our fans have had more fun than City fans. And I just thought, 
you you support a different club than I do. It's that's the it's day out mentality. It's horseshit. It's, 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 it's the day out. And the thing is, the worrying thing is, I've also seen somebody who does contribute to Anfield Index, who does know better, who used to tout the line Liverpool exists to win trophies, coming out with that same day out bullshit. Yeah. It's it's you know, it's the participation ribbon mindset. Oh, well, wasn't it great to be there in that final? And unfortunately, because Jürgen doesn't seem to be hugely affected by big defeats, you know, the way he's talked about how he just woke up the next morning after Paris and had forgotten about the game, you know, that type of thing does bleed its way into the fan base. It's very different to what we saw with Ferguson, who would obsess over defeats for years and I don't mean Champions League final defeats he'd obsess over losing a league game on a Wednesday in November for months and months at a time and when he finally got to see that team again he would be ready to murder them and his team would go out and execute and they'd absolutely destroy them whereas with Jürgen I mean this should have been this tie this is what we all wanted we wanted Real again now Admittedly, by the time it came round, none of us wanted it. But, you know, in June and July, all we all wanted was Real again in the Champions League. Give us them. We're better than them. And we just fucking roll over for them. 2-0 up to concede six straight goals. I saw Brundish tweet a stat. I think it was Liverpool created four big chances in the first 20 minutes or 25 minutes against Real at home. And since then, Real created eight and we created zero. Yeah. We didn't even, as we, didn't even yeah, tickle them. As, as, was, as was played out by recounting the details of the match there, it's a... Yeah, let's safe to say nobody on this show here is feeling spoiled this evening uh, and um, taking consolation or solace in the days out. We're going to wrap it up, and it's going to end on a on on that kind of you know downbeat note. And what else would you expect really for this show? Uh, credit to Dave Hendrick, to Carl Matchett, thanks to Guy for producing, um, all turning up and doing this job, which. Uh, to be quite honest with you, is becoming more unpleasant by the week. We lurch on, and whether we lurch over the line in fourth place or not, um, I don't know where your levels of hope are. Mine are quite low at the moment around that particular task as well. But look, we will keep it going, and by tomorrow or the next day, like myself, you'll be looking for something to listen to, and these two guys will be producing it for you, as will the rest of us on the channel. So for tuning in and going through with us our little catharsis session there, thanks very much, and we'll see you soon. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement, and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, We'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. 
It only takes a couple of seconds, and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.